Spooky was... little intro there. I'm scared, Mike. Uh, I am. I am scared. I was waiting for the Resident Evil, uh, Evil. <laughs> a voice yeah. there, or the, the the Nintendo voice, which just uh, mm -hmm. from Luigi's Mansion, just steals it from uh, Resident <laughs> Evil. Basically, we we had to come up with our own spookiness to uh, <laughs> to introduce this show because this is the Halloween. These are our next next two episodes will be Halloween themed. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Yes, even though no one can trick or treat, it's still Halloween. <laughs> yep, everyone can still dress up and play and can play ho uh, spooky Halloween games. Exactly, that's what matters. Play some Until yeah. Dawn. So, Mike, I just want to ask you something. Did you know you know the band Blue October, right? Yeah, I do. They're from Texas. Yeah, yes, they are. Did you know? Okay, you've been to Texas recently, so maybe you already mm -hmm. knew this. But I learned last night that not only do they have more than one song, they never went on hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know that they had never gone on hiatus because I just assume all bands do that at some point. At some point, like like all bands from the the early two thousands, you assume went on like a five year hiatus, eight year, maybe ten year. If you're talking about like My Chemical Romance, but uh, no, like I went on Spotify and Blue October, they have an album almost consistently every three years since the year like two thousand. I think was the first one. I think isn't like ninety five their first album. I don't. Know. I, I didn't do that much uh, looking into it. I was just listening to the song "Hate Me," which is the only song That's I know. Song I felt I know, like yeah. listening to that. Of course, that's the only song I thought they had. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's like, wow, they have like up until uh, I think this year they had new music, like an EP or, or just one song, like a single. Good for them. Yeah. I, uh, so when I went down to Texas last year with a friend of the show, Harrison, and friend of the show, Brian Tong, who's going to be on in this episode, um, mm -hmm. uh, we made a little playlist in the car of bands who are from Texas, uh, you know, to get the feel, you know, we're, yeah, we're somewhere we'd like to, you know, listen to some bands that are from there. Blue October was one of them. The Bowling for Soup. Bowling for Soup. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and Nelly is from Texas as well. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> and so there's, uh, yeah, uh, Texas has some good artists. Stevie Ray Vaughan, of course. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, had a good playlist and obviously um, heard Blue October's Hate Me come up quite yes. a few times. Great song. Very sad song. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to listen to them last night and I was like, I thought for sure they had two albums, like just... <laughs> 2001, 2005 felt about right to me, <laughs> but I was way off. <laughs> anyway, so need to follow up on a topic from about two weeks ago, Mike. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna take the listeners and yourself back about nine years to the year 2011. So let's travel back in time to 2011. <laughs> Love that. So I had just we had just graduated high school, of course, and I worked a retail job in a deli, meaning I had to get up very early in the morning, like 5 a.m as well as I commuted to school from where I live to Toronto. Mike and I were both from Toronto, Ontario, and which meant an eight o'clock class. So consistently for the last seven to eight years, I've been getting up at 5 a.m. Uh, and now I'd, li I'd like to preface that too with uh, in the 10 years before 2011, I think Neil was getting up at probably seven or eight. Seven or eight to watch SpongeBob and, and whatnot on TV on the early mornings and, and get up for school. Yeah, so let's just, just say 20 years at least 20 years of getting up before 9 a.m. for sure. Yeah, like sleeping in for me was like only New Year's Day. That was kind of it where everyone just sleeps all day because you're up until three in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah. And then in my post-secondary career, getting up at five, sometimes 4.30, just insane times for work and school and whatever it was. So and then after school, I've, I've been out of school for about two or three years now. Um, you know, that, that started creeping up to like a more manageable time of maybe 7 a.m., 8 o'clock on weekends. I could sleep in sleep in until 8 a.m. for me. That was, <laughs> you know, you and I, we go on vacations all the time and I'm up at 7 most days, 6.30 reading when everyone else is getting up. 
But uh, on Thanksgiving Day Monday, Mike, I slept in. I got up. You know, my, uh, my, I could hear my parents moving around downstairs. My girlfriend was over. We were in bed. And she gets up to get her phone. And she just says, you know, guess what time it is? And I just, you know, kind of peeked outside my window. I can, I can see some daylight. I was like, I'm 10? Like, just thinking, like, I'm going to think an outrageous time for me, which is 10. And she said, it's 1130 in the morning. <laughs> and I, I was wow. like, today's, o- today's over. Yeah, that's <laughs> over. That's done for you. That's, that's the day. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like it, we ate breakfast and it was 1230. We went for a walk. It was like five. <laughs> I was like, this is usually like eight o'clock for me in my mind. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh man. That's, that's very unneal. Not on brand at all. I had to tech. I told you that after we recorded, you were like, wait, you got up at what time? <laughs> yeah. That, that was shocking. Absolutely yeah. shocking. I can't put into words how shocking it was for me. Just uh, years, decades, as you said, of me getting up at decades. eight o'clock. Decades. <laughs> I'm. It's over. The clock has restarted now. It's like like from the office when in the uh, in the warehouse they have to reset the days that are yeah, yeah. back to zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was my story from Thanksgiving. Other than that, it was a lovely weekend. Lovely. I mean, weekend. that that made it lovely too. Not that it didn't make it lovely <laughs> that I slept in, but that was that was quite an event for me. Well, uh, I also want to talk about something small that we talked about quite a long time ago and um i don't know if anyone out there reads uh hard times articles in the hard drive it's basically a parody account uh somewhat like the onion where they mm-hmm. they they put news stories out there and and they're often uh, really good headlines and a friend of the show dan uh came up with a really good headline uh and that i i really want to read on uh, on this podcast and uh okay. it, the headline goes petition to put math circus on steam comes to a grinding halt when developer can't be found. Was that Dan's idea or was that mine? That was that was Dan's idea. Oh, I thought that was mine. Okay. I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty certain it was Dan, but we oh, could okay. be wrong. Well, good job for Dan. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. No, Math Circus, of course, if people don't know, is the... I don't even know who develops it. I think it's actually not that hard to find <laughs> yeah. out. No, there, there's no way, Neil. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, it might have been you who said this. Yeah, I think I think the reason why I didn't put it on hard time, I, I wanted to submit it. And the reason why I didn't was because I did a quick Google search of Math Circus and the developer was there. Oh, well, you know what, Neil? <laughs> you ruined the joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny, though. Math Circus is like the, the game that everybody from at least our circle of friends knows from elementary school. Math Circus was on every single library computer, every single homeroom computer. Someone somehow downloaded Math Circus on your computer. <laughs> and then someone some days would always start a Math Circus without first muting their computer. So you would just hear the loudest <laughs> <Yeah>. circus music. <laughs> and they would just be instantly taken off the computer because teachers would not stand for us playing Math Circus. <laughs> I see, but like, like we were, we were supposed to play Math Circus in like grade three, like, like the, it was part of the curriculum. There was one unit where they wanted us to play Math Circus. I don't remember why. There was, there it is. Ah, oh, some memories <laughs> here. Uh, I my favorite Math Circus moment was uh, when um, I think it's like the princess. You have to get the princess. Past the dragon. Past the dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an eight-year-old child, I could not finish that game. <laughs> yeah, how how did that one work? You had to you had to like yeah you had to basically it was um kind of like in the games we're going to talk about soon. It was a, a, a you had like a prisoner with you that you had to sneak out of the forest. I guess it was. It was under. It was being held prisoner, held captive by this dragon. What? How did that one work? Did you just have to time it to the music? It was one of those like cases where like you're crossing the river and you can only take certain things with you when you're doing it. So mm-hmm. I remember you have to co- cross a couple of times, and yep. the dragon would move depending on where you would cross and depending on what you chose. Oh, to you're cross. right. You had a certain number of moves you can make because yes. every time you made a move, the dragon got closer. That was it. You're right. Okay, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. That reminds me of a game that I played recently. I can't remember. Resident Evil. 
Resident Evil. Yeah, <laughs> that actually is the trophy in Resident Evil 2 Remake, which we'll talk about soon. But The, tr- the trophy is Math Circus? No, the trophy is that you have, to, <laughs> you have to beat the game in a certain number of steps. <laughs> had nothing to do with Math Circus. No, my favorite one in Math Circus, though, is when you had to uh, drop the balls down a maze, and they all had to land in a certain cup. So you had to move the uh, the platforms from side to side a certain number of times. Mm. And the catapult one, too. Or, sorry, not the catapult. The, uh, the trapeze. The trapeze, trapeze one, one was everyone's favorite because you would of course just follow the trapeze artist along the screen with your finger to know exactly where yep. to connect the ropes <laughs> and that was, that was there was no math involved in that one was just eyeballing it that's a good idea for a hard times article someday we will come up with something a little bit more clever two men attempt to read the back of 555 gamecube cases that is that's correct. uh that's that's enough uh, hard times right there that's definitely a hard times article because ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 23 of the gamecube is cool podcast we go live every thursday morning we're on apple podcasts spotify iHeartRadio, and youtube you can follow us on instagram at the gamecube pod if you do follow us please go back and like our image of the rock uh, we're trying to make that our most popular post. It is working. We've had a few extra likes in the past <laughs> few weeks since we started saying it. <laughs> have to go back and check the metrics on that one. If you could please write an article about us, if you work for any sort of online publication or magazine, if those still exist, we are trying to become legit. And part of that means we need to be on Wikipedia. So to do that, we would love an article written about us. We are the number one podcast, GameCube podcast on the internet. <laughs> you did it again. <laughs> I keep saying we're the number one podcast. <laughs> Someday it'll be true if we keep saying it. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Uh, our goal is to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games and the back of the cases and whatnot, one by one. Sometimes we cover 12 by 12. Last week we talked about Final Fantasy, Crystal Chronicles, Lost Kingdoms, and a bunch of other RPGs that we didn't play. <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about Resident Evil Remake, Resident Evil Zero, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, Resident Evil Code Veronica X on the Nintendo GameCube. Games that we did play. Games that we, we played a few of at least. Yeah, I mean, we. this is, uh, I think this is a topic that we can actually talk about, you know, with some authority. A little bit, yeah. Considering the, the last episodes that we've done... You know, Crystal Chronicles, uh, Time Splitters, um, Crash Bandicoot. You know, these aren't really uh, our games that we played as uh, as kids. Uh, so Resident Evil is, uh, I'd say, definitely up our alley. Yeah, this is one of those third or second or third party games, non Nintendo licensed games that you and I actually have some crossover with. Mm-hmm. Like yes. you and I, we we play the same Mario, the Zeldas, the Pokemon's, but we don't have very many games outside of those Nintendo core franchises that we see eye to eye on or that we can talk about. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. It's a franchise we can actually talk about. Of course, there is a key game in that franchise that we've you're we're obviously missing with Resident Evil Five. Five. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. That's, that's the, one that's the big one. Hey, it's like the highest selling one. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, obviously Resident Evil 4 is missing from that list. We're going to dedicate an, an entire episode to that game probably in a year. Um, <laughs> in a while. Next October when we talk about more spooky games. Yeah. But uh, for now, we're just going to talk about the, the other five Resident Evil games on the console, uh, starting with Resident Evil Remake. But first, Mike, let's talk a little bit about the Resident Evil franchise uh, as a whole. Sure. So all the games that we're going to be talking about today were produced or directed by uh, Shinji Mikami, who people might also know him from Dino Crisis, Resident Evil, and more recently he directed the Evil Within franchise on current mm-hmm. gen hardware, as well as uh, Hideki uh, Kamiya, who um, produces Resident Evil, and I think he also directs the Devil May Cry series. But Resident Evil, uh, that's a long-running video game franchise now. Uh, we're looking at the eighth installment. Uh, it started in the 90s. I believe that the first concept of the game was in 1993 uh, and since then the game came out uh, on ps1 it's from ps1 it's been on several consoles since then all the way up until the ps4 and xbox one it sold over 103 million units worldwide 
yeah it's yeah big. it's it's uh, you know it's really credited with reigniting the zombie genre uh, like, which is like pretty twice cool. now. Yeah, it's, yeah. It did it in the '90s, and then it did it again in 2017 with Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, this this might be the first video game franchise to reignite a, a like um a pop culture movement. You know, I can't yeah. think of anything else that that has had this impact in video games. I think of Resident Evil like the Green Day of video games, where they reinvented themselves with Dookie, then they did it again with American Idiot. Like they just keep on bringing back pop punk into the into the popular scene. That's kind of the best. That's the closest metaphor I could come up with when I was researching this. Except with Resident Evil, they you know t- try to make good games still, and uh... they do try. They're <laughs> definitely trying a lot harder than Green Day is right now. That's a good, very good point. But there's uh 26 games total. Uh, that doesn't include like how there's multiple SKUs of Resident Evil 4 and things like that. There's 26 games. That includes the remakes. So Resident Evil 2 counts as mm-hmm. two of those because it technically counts as its own game. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Mike and I, we've both been huge fans of Resident Evil for me, probably since Resident Evil 4, which brought me into the series. But I have memories of my brother playing Resident Evil 2 as a kid on the N64, which okay. scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Uh, I played Resident Evil 2 Remake this year. I'll be talking about that soon. And then I'm really excited for Resident Evil. It's called Village, which is Resident Evil 8. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that looks like kind of a throwback to Resident Evil 4 uh, style. So, Yeah, even though that's the eighth Resident Evil game, there are 26 Resident Evil games. <laughs> so the timeline and the release of these games is going to be very confusing. We're going to try and keep you all in the know and up to date on which order these games are all in. We're, we're going to be covering them, though, in uh, order of release today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's especially confusing here for the GameCube because they were not re- they were released on GameCube, but some of them were released obviously before uh, on other systems. And uh, for GameCube, it's a very tight timeline here. We have April two thousand two to December two thousand three, so a year and a half of uh, five yeah. Resident Evil games coming out. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that fast and furious. Most of them, or at least a few of them, are ports, um, with Resident Evil 2 and 3 just being direct ports of the PS1 versions of the game, Uh, and then Resident Evil Remake being a remake, Resident Evil Zero being an original game, and then Resident Evil Code Veronica X is a port of a Dreamcast game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I did play Code Veronica, actually, uh, this weekend in order to... uh get ready for this podcast i i do not own code veronica i um it's a little virtual machine and played it oh emulator yeah yeah mm-hmm. dolphin Ooh, okay cool yeah, illegal. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has the name dolphin neil how can it be illegal that's true that's the, that's the official name of the gamecube so yeah fine. yeah so yeah played um played that because that was the one i was most interested in because uh, I knew a lot about 2 and 3, but I never played them. And uh, so I wanted to try Code Veronica because I knew nothing about that game. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that one yeah. Yeah, soon to come. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting facts about Code Veronica X. I can't wait mm-hmm. to talk about it. So we, we do have a few guests joining the show today. We have uh, friends of the show, The Game Punks. Ben and Ryan will be coming on later, as well as a friend of the show, Brian Tong will be coming on talk both are talking about resident evil 1 and a little bit about resident evil 2 so before we uh introduce the first guest let me just introduce the first game we're going to be talking about today which is resident evil remake which was released on april 30th 2002 developed by capcom production studio 4 published by capcom this is a gamecube exclusive but it later on came to the wii switch ps4 ps3 xbox 360 xbox one and windows (laughs) uh so not technically an exclusive but it was a gamecube exclusive it rates in the nines, and if you want to pick it up today, uh, it's priced at $25. This is, of course, a remake of the 1996 PlayStation 1 classic survival horror game, Resident Evil. Evil. So, Mike, why don't you uh, introduce our guests' first set on first set of guests onto the show today? <laughs> okay, and now we have Brian on 
to uh, talk about some Resident Evil. And actually, before you talk about Resident Evil, Brian, did you ever play Math Circus, you know, in, uh, in, in school? I feel like that sounds familiar. Should I look that up? Yeah, yeah, look that up right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Picture picture a circus done on paint and the picture a circus, circus music. Speed runs? That's the game. <laughs> I want to be part of the math of circus speedrun community. I want to I want to say no. Oh, I'm sad. <laughs> well, is this a GameCube release? Is this uh... <laughs> Maybe it was maybe Mike Mike maybe it was just yeah, our school. Yeah, was it just us? It might have just been our public school maybe, but no, it was just a it's just this video game that was on every single library computer. Mike and I went to the same elementary school and for some reason, everybody we meet in person seems to have some memory of Math Circus, but then we try to bring it up on the show today, and I guess it wasn't like... For some reason, I think of it being like the McDonald's play area of everybody's grade school experience. I thought everybody had Math Circus, but that's how dumb I am, so... Well, I, well, well. once this episode comes out, like, comment, talk about, you know, comment uh, on our post and uh, ask about Math Circus, and we can... Yeah. We're, we're Math Circus uh, experts now, so... After yeah, all but... Yeah, but Math Circus did not appear on the GameCube. What did appear on the GameCube, though, is uh, Resident Evil Remake, which uh, Ooh, nice. we brought Brian on to talk. Thank you so much. We're here. We brought <laughs> Brian on to talk about his memories of the game. And now Resident Evil is off- often described as the best and scariest and most visually impressive entries in the Resident Evil series, being the Resident Evil Remake. Uh, unfortunately, though, the poor sales of this game on the GameCube, since it wasn't exclusive and it was on the GameCube, it was destined to have poor sales. <laughs> it only sold 1.3 million units, um, which is pretty low compared to what Capcom mm. was used to in this day and, age, day and age when they were selling millions and millions of copies on PS1, which is what kind of led them towards uh, developing a more action-oriented game with Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6, which is what most people don't like about Resident Evil, um, which is a shame. But they thought that, I guess, that the... The standard controls of these third-person tank control games was getting old, so they had to make a change. Unfortunately, that's what led to the games that we don't like. But uh, for now, let's just talk about the games that we do like with Resident Evil 1. So, uh, yeah, Brian, let us know. uh, What what do you think of this game? You and Mike played this game together, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, We played played (laughs) one of the remake versions. Not on GameCube, though. Uh, But, yeah, you know, um, this is one of those ones that kind of started it all right you know defining this kind of like survival horror genre because people didn't really really know what to take this game it has you know a a zombie outbreak inside like uh inside a mansion it was almost kind of like an escape room kind of thing where you know you start off and everything feels everything's locked you're like okay cool and then as you explore more you're like okay zombies come up and um just with the way that they did it with like a with a fixed angle on the the camera like you couldn't see things on the sides too which i kind of added to like you didn't know what would come at you uh and then eventually what you come across like a, like a bunch of puzzles which actually can be quite challenging there was something that actually did stop me quite a bit oh yeah yeah you know so like combined with all these things together kind of uh, added to the survival horror kind of feeling uh not to mention the fact that uh, ammo felt f- kind of scarce uh yep. so like and you had a uh, certain inventory slots if you chose jill valentine mm-hmm. she would get you would get one extra slot which actually turns out to be better uh, than taking Chris Redfield, which kind of feels bad. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, that extra slot also helps you uh, with a lot of things because it also carries some of the puzzle items. You, you have to manage your inventory quite well. You, it really does feel like, you know, you're, you're on the defensive a lot of the time uh, when you don't really yes. you don't really feel like you have a lot of freedom roaming around the game uh but as you continue along the game uh you feel like you do have a good sense of progression because you know doors start unlocking you get uh cool items uh, even saving was also uh, uh something that was actually a used resource you need ink ribbons in order to actually save which was kind of insane I always thought that was so cool. Yeah, that's such an interesting game mechanic that has not been used in any other game I've played. Like to have a limited number of saves and it being just wedged into part of as the game 
progresses. Like you find these ink ribbons and then you save at typewriters, which is really weird. Um, just an interesting mechanic to make that. Yeah. Like ammo is limited and you can also only save a number of times. So And it actually makes sense why you're saving, mm-hmm. right? Because like if you think about it in real life, like if you were trapped in this mansion, you would be like writing little diary entries basically. Yeah. yeah. They also put fun wrinkles where like uh, you kill a zombie and next time you, you go in, the zombie's back, but he's red. They're called Crimson Heads and you try to claw your face off and they're like scarier, yeah. they do more damage. And the first time did, like uh, that happened, I like, kind of jumped in my seat. I was like, holy yeah, holy cow! Like this, this, this is a thing. And so, in order to you know get rid of them permanently, you have to burn them. Uh, and mm-hmm. and the the cool thing about this game is that no, it doesn't tell you anything. No, nope. that kind of um, gives you that extra sense of uh, reward and progression to it as well that you don't really find in a lot of games because they kind of like you know give everything on a silver platter. Here, they kind of try to explain to you, and even things that where they try to give you hints nowadays in games, uh, they, they don't do it to that to that extreme level where Resident Evil was just like, here's this thing. Deal with it. Now, now figure Deal it out. Deal with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But that doesn't really happen anymore. I'm, I'm pretty sure people, a lot of people would complain when they pick up a game now, especially yeah. when, you know, people have busy lives and they don't want to deal with this, like, extra kind of nuance in the game. No. Uh, I think the one thing about Resident Evil is, like, just how creative they were when they made the game, Capcom did. Uh, coupled with the fact that it's just a really, really fun game. And if you've never actually played Resident Evil, I would highly recommend um, probably playing the remake uh, just so you don't have, like, really pixelated graphics and stuff like that. Right. But, uh, yeah, at the time, the, the graphics were actually... Yeah, the GameCube one is, yeah, like, for the, the GameCube remake. Uh, not the... Uh, well, I guess the 96 one was, like, decent graphics, but the GameCube remake just, like, looks really good. Yeah, the PS1 version is good for the time. Like, if you played the game back in 96 when it came out, then absolutely. Um, but what's interesting is that the dev time for the Resident Evil remake on GameCube, the dev time was only one year and two months. Uh, so it was oh. very short. I mean, they already had the story and everything lined up. They used a lot of the same pre-rendered graphics and things like that. But uh, what I found really funny was that, or just interesting, was that uh, Shinji Mikami, the director of the game, uh, he decided to produce the remake because he was quoted as saying he felt that the original had not aged well enough and that the GameCube's capabilities could bring it closer to his original vision, which is a very interesting point to make for a four-year-old game. Like, yeah. like that's that's a new game. Yeah, just coming out with the same game again and saying, this is our creative vision, like a, like a game that's not that old. And four years later, you know, the game, one year of that being development time, they figured it was outdated almost right away. So they almost admitting that the game was, de- I mean, again, this is the the era before patches and up, up-resing and things like that. So they couldn't have just released a DLC patch or something like that. It was, they had to put out a whole new game for the GameCube. So, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, when me and Brian played this game, uh, we played as Jill, obviously, because uh, Jill has the lockpick. I remember that was the reason why we did it. Um, and I remember there's a, on the, the PS4 version online, you can see kind of who has the fastest uh, run through. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Brian, but looking at it and it's like nine Jills and one Chris. Chris was number one. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was some person who just did uh, did a playthrough as Chris, which is arguably the harder playthrough and somehow got it faster than everyone else, <laughs> which I always love. Mm. I just want to talk about some of our favorite parts of the uh, the game. Uh, Brian, you remember facing the snake? Oh, yeah. Um, Yawn. I, I mean, like, uh, yeah, like, there, there's all these, like, really, uh, just really fun creatures. It wasn't just about zombies. It was just, like, mm-hmm. uh, snakes. I think they had, like, uh, dogs, which were also really annoying. Birds. Yeah, the, yeah those dogs were so annoying in the uh, outside uh, area. Because you couldn't see them, too. This game, everything was very dark. You know, which is, it should be because it's, you know, kind of survival game. And yeah, you couldn't see those stupid dogs. 
that that also like that that's the one drawback of the game is that uh when actually ironically facing like creatures versus humans uh the controls actually made it kind of more difficult uh and yeah. actually that's like probably the only thing like aside from the puzzles that was like a little bit more aggravating was uh dealing with with uh creatures because like uh, as with the tank controls and or like just with the control scheme and the camera and the fixed camera it actually made it more difficult to fight against actual animals because they actually made them faster yeah. than humans and like just because <laughs> of the response of your of the camera and, and and the controls actually made it a little bit more difficult to deal with them and do you remember when we faced the first uh, boss? Uh, I forget what his name is. Like Brian was playing at the time, and and he uh, got all the ammo he could, got, like tons of grenades, <laughs> yeah. everything. Because because we were so scared because we didn't know what that thing was. Mm-hmm. Because every time you put it on a face mask, uh, the coffin kept going lower and lower. Uh, right. And so we were we were scared of what was going to happen. So it's like okay, like let's not use any of our ammo. <laughs> let's just get ready for this. And I think we killed him in like four shots. Yeah, I, I took resource <laughs> management to a whole new level just because I I, I just wasn't sure. And so um, by the end of the game, actually against Wesker, I had a like I I was like all right, let's you know bring out the uh, like the mother of all weapons. I had like grenade launchers yeah. and all this stuff, and I was like prepared. I basically like it looked like I had a one-man army like i was just ready to go to war by myself and um i was just chucking like grenades everywhere and then like the guy just dies like oh wait that's it okay cool yeah, so it turns right. out i probably yeah. wasn't supposed to be doing that i was actually be, supposed to be using it for other things too uh so i kind of like cheese the game in, in a weird way um but yeah even the um the later levels uh, they do make it a little bit more action e yeah um just with uh there's like a countdown timer that you have to also fight even though you had a lot of time so they, but uh, like as to the fact that they're they're was something at risk mm-hmm. uh, for the player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there are some, you know, there are some parts that I always got scared of. Uh, the Honestly, the doors, I never played a game like this with, with doors that would open um, in such a, like, a long time, really, mm-hmm. uh, when you think about it. And it, it was such a cool way to build up uh, tension and build up suspense. Because you know that if you open a door, a zombie could be standing right outside waiting for you. Yeah, and it's kind of iconic now. Like whenever they do, yeah. the, uh, you go through a door. There's like that the animation with the with the door opening. They 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 kind of took that out in later versions. But um, but yeah, it adds to suspense. Like uh, eventually, it gets kind of old. Uh, the, after the first yeah. few times, you're like, okay, I, I get it. Like we open it, we're opening a door here. Uh, but yeah, the first few times it does feel really magical. It's like there, it, it does add to the suspense, especially when you're very new and fresh to the game. You don't really know what to expect, and and they're they doing something that you probably didn't expect the game to even give you at the time yeah oh for sure mm-hmm. and uh and i don't know about you but my favorite character and maybe niels uh is uh barry uh, love barry barry? <laughs> barry barry barry's the guy who would always bail us out oh. he's got the big pistol oh Sorry, right yeah cool. yeah yeah that was really <laughs> convenient it was just like yeah so the so so the, yeah the script and like the the writing and like especially at least in the english version was a little bit corny uh i don't know about the japanese oh, yeah. version yeah oh, but when yeah. they ported it over to the west uh like the script was just like was something you're like okay haha like this <laughs> this is like kind of some like 80s 90s cheeseball action movie kind of script and then all of a sudden yeah uh, uh, yeah barry would bail you out of some really weird like things like because like uh, conveniently you guys are all like split up in the mansion uh because of other some of some of the, the monsters that were happening or you know they kind of made it so like oh i'm gonna check other parts of the house like way 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 like really on the far opposite side of the house away from you and it just so happens <laughs> like when you're in great peril this guy just jumps out uh barry burton <laughs> he's just like hi i got you and he's you know he saves he saves your life you're like, okay sick like cool 
And then he's like, and, and then after we, he's like, okay, bye now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're not gonna stick, stick by me. Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, so part of it is like doesn't make any sense. Doesn't sense of like, you know, if you really are in a like a supreme task force, a police task force, like you probably are in a squad together. Um, so the fact right? that you are just one person just walking around kind of seems a little bit goofy, but um, they made it work, and, and it's just one of those things that um, didn't really distract or like underwhelm the game in any way. I think. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, no, I agree. Now, uh, can you name us your favorite part of this game, favorite area? I can get it started because my favorite area is the shark area, the shark tank. I thought that area was really cool. The scary, that's a scary boss. That's up there with one of yeah. my favorite bosses in the game, for sure. Anything to do with oh, like, yeah. the animals, the snakes, spiders, sharks, the bees. They were cool. Um, yeah. I may be kind of biased just because uh, I want guns blazing, but uh, <laughs> um, my, the fight with Wesker was actually quite entertaining. Um, we go yeah. from like... like you know you think he's a human he's just this giant you know monster that comes out and i thought that was really cool because like you know everything in the game was like oh these zombie fight creatures or some creatures and then there's this big giant guy like like with some supernatural stuff uh coming at you and then you know for me all i did was you know good rocket launchers it felt like more action oriented uh so so it it does change the the way you look at the game a little bit but uh, to me, that was kind of fun, uh, just to have a little bit more of an action sequence in there as well, um, just with the final boss. So uh, that's fun for me, and even even just getting to him. Um, mm-hmm. So what I did was, like, and a lot of people do this too, because because of um, how resource and ammo were tight, uh, a lot of people wouldn't actually just kill all the zombies, because then you'd be just run out of ammo. Right. What you would do is actually start dodging things that you think you can, and then anything that was annoying, then you were, would just kill the zombie and burn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could you could go around certain things, but like yeah, getting to the uh the, to Wesker was actually to me kind of entertaining. So coupled with the the timer and everything, I actually liked the kind of mechanic. Yeah. No, that was that was really cool. I I agree. And yeah, with the the you mentioned how the zombies you know were slow, obviously, and you could dodge them. I remember us trying to dodge them. Uh, but uh, who you could not dodge was definitely the Crimson Heads, who uh, I don't think ever really got us. I think we were smart enough. Um. The first one really got me, and then that kind of like oh yeah, that 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 to me was like okay, like I've I've got to I, I got to make sure this guy goes away. I don't want to deal with this stuff anymore. <laughs> so uh, in the future, like some of them, some of the coins heads were a little bit more like calculated. Yeah, didn't you block one of them behind like a bookshelf or something? Oh yeah, you, yeah in yeah, one of the first yeah, areas. Yeah, you can do some of the stuff like that. That was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you just see them trying to run at you, but like obviously they're yeah. kind of like ha ha, like you know, look who's in charge now, kind of thing. See, I always got kind of scared because I always thought that I'm like, I don't know, like it's Resident Evil, like like maybe that he's gonna find a way to just jump over that that shelf and kill me. And and that's the cool thing about this game, right? Is just like the unpredictability. You actually have no yeah. idea. Uh, even with like the 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 door sequence, the opening part of it, you you actually just didn't know what was coming through. And no, unpredictably, like that. And like I mentioned the, in the beginning, just like about the the fixed camera angles, you, you didn't know what was coming. You could go into like one of the bathrooms and like a zombie could be there, but you have no yeah, idea. Yeah, every time. And yeah, it, it's like they were really good with the jump scares. You know, it wasn't like super predictable uh, kind of and like, you know, saturated almost for jump scares. They did it really well. Uh, and especially like times that you honestly did think you were safe. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden there's this stupid like, uh, you know, frog thing that comes up at you. You're like, wow, I did not expect that to happen. Uh, the taxidermy room actually kind of threw me in for a loop that puzzle. I don't even remember how to fix it, finish it anymore. It was like the, the bird. Oh, with was, the eagle and yeah, the Yeah, it was like looking at you every, every time you move. That was kind of cool. Oh, that took us so long to figure out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't even remember what it ended up being. I remember there was like a disc involved at some point. Yeah. It's like a GameCube disc. <laughs> <laughs> Those little discs. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so is there anything else you want to talk about for Resident Evil 1 before we let you go, Brian? 
No, I mean, like, just at the end of the day, like, if you've never played it, give it a shot. Try it on GameCube or try it on any system. Either way, this game, at the end of the day, like, at the core at the core of it, it's legendary for a reason, uh, for all the things we mentioned yeah. and more. But, yeah, give it a shot. It, it really, like, in 2020, I don't think it's that scary anymore. Uh, but, no. you know, uh, at the same time, uh, it is actually something that's, to me, is actually pretty incredible that they were able to make it this look this smart and also this yeah. challenging at the same time. Uh, so right. that's that's just why I think that the game overall, not to mention just the graphics, but at, at the end of the day, like when you play a game, you want the gameplay to be really solid, and it, it that's just what it delivers. Yeah, 100% agreed. Very well said. Very well yeah. said. Well, thank you, Brian. We appreciate it, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Right. Take care, Brian. Bye-bye. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Uh, Brian Tong, uh, Capcom spokesperson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> making sure uh, we all go out there and buy some Resident Evil games. Uh, he will definitely be back for the Capcom 5 episode, which we will have at some point in the future, as well as the Resident Evil 4 episode. Brian is a big fan of those games. But uh, yeah, it was great to have him on. Great to reminisce for me about uh, playing that with him, playing the shark level, playing that yeah with those bees. Yeah, uh, bees you know, when you said that. Mm-hmm. I just was like, oh yeah, I forgot about the bees. Yeah, I love the animal bees or the animal weapons rather. They were they're really special to me. I mean, like yeah, there are the zombies and the the human um, deformities and things like that that they made zombies out of. But whenever there were animals involved, it was always just a little bit weirder. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So should we uh, segue now into our uh, our next set of guests, Mike? I think we should. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah, that sounds like a good time. Cool. Okay, I think we got them on right now. Cool. All right. Okay, so we have additional guests here joining us. This is uh, Ben and Ryan from GamePunks. Thank you so much uh, for coming on and talking about some Resident Evil. And I just have one question. Have you guys ever heard of the game Math Circus? We were just talking about this earlier <laughs> in the episode. Math Circus. Uh, well, from what you said, it seems like it's a uh, an Ontario thing, so we might not have it over <laughs> here in Quebec, or at least I'm not immediately familiar with it. I think my dad worked there for like a the Math Circus. He was the Pythagorean theorem clown. He was just <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Pythagorean theorem clown. Yeah, he's he's a big him. deal around here. He's like he's like our mascot. He's, yeah, he, he, was, he was super on. famous for a bit. Till, yeah. Uh, Till his helium addiction got the best of him. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys use like Corel and everything on your computers like, like in school? It was like Corel Word Perfect. And, uh, and... I remember, I remember having a typing program. Um, yes, it wasn't. Unfortunately, it wasn't the Neon Genesis Evangelion game. Whoa! <laughs> but, oh yeah, the Evangelion yeah. typing game. But uh, that would have been cool. It, it was something of the sort where like, it reminds me kind of um, like like frog fractions where you had to kind of do things uh. to, but except not as funny as frog fractions because it was actual learning that sounds violent uh, but they were like super super wanted you to type super properly which no one does now yeah <laughs> yeah that was like the mario um i don't know if you guys have seen that like there's like the mario oh, typing. mario teaches typing. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man i love those games i've seen that I, there was a game that we had. It was one of the Super Solvers games. I don't know if you guys are aware of the Super Solvers. They were like a PC... I think the Learning Company made them. But they were like PC adventure games, and they were all kind of built around... I remember that. Yeah, I I think the one that we had was Midnight Rescue, which I believe... Oh, looks, oh my god, looks, yeah, I played this. This looks cool. Yeah, we, we also had the... An, I had another one called the Crystal Rainforest, which was like a really old educational adventure game from like, I think the late 80s that my school just kind of had because I was going to elementary school in the, I don't know, the early 2000s. So like 2000 to 2006 or seven. Same Same as us. And yeah, that was like, that was our, 
that was our game that we had, but it was rather old for at least the time that we were playing it at. We knew we had made it by high school when everyone just had Halo on their ComTech computers. That was like the <laughs> peak pinnacle of, of, high, of like computer tech classes. Was We'd gone from Math Circus to high school. We were playing Halo. But yeah. Oh my god, Ryan, you just sent me down a nostalgia trip because I'm I'm realizing that the learning company also did Treasure Mountain. Oh, yes, is... I played Treasure Mountain. Yeah, 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 that is a classic. Holy. There's a lot of interesting stuff that the learning company put out, actually. They were pretty prolific for their time. Is Adzibu <laughs> a Quebec thing only? I remember Adibu. Adibu is not a Quebec thing, but the French version, which is really cursed, probably. <laughs> yeah, the French version is very cursed. Cause that's... That, was, that was the French computer game we played was Adibu. Yeah, right. That is like a strange game if, if you want a trip go watch like a playthrough of that on youtube or something it is <laughs> if uh... you can find french Boo, it is <laughs> yeah you know, that's a trip you're telling me that it did not get ported to the gamecube that's it is not yet we're working on it we're working on it <laughs> technology is well, a little like ahead developers of us right now. who who do like late period ports maybe somebody's working on an Boo french for the it's gotta it's gotta go fund me or a uh, kickstarter yeah. Yeah. I'd almost be tempted to buy it if that was real. You know what? I'd Just kick for a the 20 sheer nostalgia. In. I'd kick a 20 in. <laughs> the Addy Boot. Addy Boot. Addy Boot. Addy Boot. All right, well, let's, let, let's talk about a game that did get remade for the Nintendo GameCube, Resident Evil mm. Remake. Yeah. Of course, this is a remake of the, the PlayStation 1 classic, Resident Evil. Uh, so this, this game, the story, of course, takes place in uh, 1998. Uh, near the fictional midwestern town of Raccoon City, where a series of bizarre murders has taken place, uh, the player takes the play takes the role of either Chris Redfield or Jill Valentine, and they're sent to investigate strange murders. And then obviously, there's tons of zombies and spooky scares and whatnot. Yeah, so I guess just let's start off with you know what are your guys' memories of of this game? I didn't really come into the Resi series until a lot later, but when I came into them, I came into them pretty hard. Like, I, I went full-on in, and I just kind of embraced it, and I fell in love. But mm-hmm. the first game in the series I ever played was Resident Evil Remake. And I f- first played it at my friend's house in maybe sometime around 2012 or 13. And he is the big Resident Evil fan between the two of us, uh, my friend Alex. Huge fan of Resident Evil. And we had so many good times just kind of sitting around and playing these games together i mean we'd sit down and do a full playthrough of the chris or jill story and Mm -hmm. uh a big i guess good memory i have of the game recently is the most recent playthrough i did he came over to my house and i had an old crtv set up on my floor (laughs) just on the ground Uh, i plugged my gamecube in and i had my own copy of resi that i bought at um anc games actually oh nice and I, I bought all of my Resi games. I purchased at ANC. I, I built my GameCube collection up by going there. So it's awesome. Very Toronto. close to my house. Yeah. Yeah. One of my <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite stores in all of the world. I, I love it there. It's fantastic. But uh, uh, absolutely loved the experience of just kind of crowding around a little CRTV in the dark, <laughs> beer in hand, controller in the other, and just going through that game. The scares work so well. They do. It m- maybe is one of the best looking games on the console. <laughs> Yeah, no, it looks really good because they, they put a lot of effort into that. Like, it is still the best-looking game in the console uh, for the GameCube, I think. I, I think it pushes the, the GameCube technology so hard yeah. to render those graphics, but it works that a lot of them are just really high-quality pre-renders, right? Yeah, well, that's yes. the thing. It's amazing how well a game can run when you shove a pre-render into there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot a lot less kind of traffic so everything is kind of running at a smooth frame rate 
the characters take up so much space on the screen depending on the angle that the camera is at but oh what a what a beautiful looking game and just yeah so many good memories associated with it i think i think resident evil has always been like a just a guiding force for like power on a console like when you go back to the ps1 it was like the best looking game Mm -hmm. in that generation as well they managed to somehow fit all of resident evil 2 onto an n64 cartridge which was insane for the time yeah and that's a great looking card that's what i was gonna mention yeah the fmvs aren't super good but yeah <laughs> gameplay is great they had to cut that but yeah. at least the game looked good and everything like that and then, yeah exactly and mm-hmm. then there were games like resident evil 4 on the gamecube later on which looked great and then bringing i mean that game's yeah it's amazing like the browns and the grays and everything just all mesh so well together <laughs> and then now like with resident evil 7 2 and 3 that engine is just unbelievable on ps i play on ps4 yeah the the re engine uh capcom is blowing my mind with every game they release at this point <laughs> yeah Cap- oh Cap- yeah they, they look so so profoundly beautiful mm-hmm. yeah well because this is, this honestly is like the era too to be able to do that to create these beautiful textures because it's not a game that requires a massive like dev overhaul for a lot of these you know because they're 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 genuinely straightforward you know it's not mm-hmm. like it's like an open world game where you have to render you know all kinds of stuff at the same time yeah. you're usually in an enclosed space so so as a like a, a dev that's like a dream come true. You can really make things shine and, and make that those small areas just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, yeah. You can see that obviously with uh, Resident Evil 1. Yeah. Oh yes, oh yes. For sure. I mean, my earliest memory of uh, Resi series was way too young then uh, watching, <laughs> I think my mom or my dad played. I can't really remember, but it was already one on the PlayStation, I believe. Oh wow. It must nice. have been like... <laughs> five-ish or something i I remember being like too young to yeah (laughs) way too young to watch Um, but uh i i also remember being super like fascinated by it and like just kind of always being like can i watch and they'd be like okay (laughs) probably shouldn't but whatever what's the worst that could happen right and then here i am i'm I'm totally fine years later look at you yeah (laughs) (laughs) doing great but yeah, that was the that was the first exposure I had to it, and then the first RE game I remember actually playing is the N sixty four Resident Evil two, um, nice. which oh, yeah. obviously holds a a very special dear place in my heart. Um, since then, uh, yeah, that I, is I, like your favorite Resi game, isn't it? Yeah, re- remake because uh, I only played remake for the first time like this year. Uh, oh, I streamed wow. it. Uh, I knew of it, <laughs> and I played it a bit. But um, I never had actually touched it more than like an hour or so. Yeah, because I think a lot of people in our generation played Resident Evil Four as like like their entry yeah. into the franchise, right? It was the GameCube exclusive of the Resi well, series, right? <laughs> kind of. If it ever leaves the GameCube, I'll cut my head off with a chainsaw. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was it's it's still the best looking version of that game. Of the generation, at least. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say, I was the same. I jumped in on Resident Evil 2 Remake uh, right, right when the pandemic basically happened. I was like, well, I guess I'll just get rid of my backlog. And one of those games was Resident Evil 2 Remake. <laughs> um, uh, and it, it's probably as strong as Remake on the GameCube in terms of oh, a yeah. remake. Probably. I mean, Resident Evil 2 Remake is different because they changed the camera angle from being the t- tank controls from like the security camera angle to an over-the-shoulder view, which... My first memory of playing a Resident Evil game is Resident Evil 4. So I'm used to that over the shoulder third yeah. person game and to go conforms directly to your idea of Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So for me, I think it's probably a 3 against 1 here where I have absolute I can't play the Resident Evil games that are tank controls. That's fair. Yeah. I, I I can uh... I can totally understand those stepping back. 
it's yeah. really hard uh, into the past and being like wow this just feels bad because you get so many quality of life adjustments that you get used to and then you're like why would i play the worst version of the game i find it funny that the the tank controls really are the resident evil kind of defining element for me and it's something that i feel maybe controversially that the later games kind of lost mm-hmm. because they really contribute to the fear factor for me. Yep. Yeah. That's what makes those games really scary is those broken controls. Yeah. That's that's why the remake two and uh, even three, though a little bit less so, uh remake three felt a little rushed. Uh but yeah. Like they they make up for it in just sheer atmosphere and like the binarial audio in Resident Evil Two remake. I don't know if you've played with yeah. like super high quality headphones but these zombies moaning and gurgling from behind you will like actually send chills down your spine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I played the last of us actually recently, like the part two with, uh, mm-hmm. with head like high quality headphones on. Uh, and, uh, that was, that was really interesting. I'd never done that with like any kind of game that had those, Ooh. that kind of sound design. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so now I'm interested to play, uh, three or even two. Two, two probably has the strongest one. Three, the, the sound design's yeah. a little weaker, I would say. It's not as effective. Right. Um, two, two, two had so much more time in the oven and yeah. you can tell if you just look for little details like that. It's pretty cool with games like this where, where the sound design, you know, video game sound design obviously usually takes a backseat to the, the graphics and to the development. Uh, yeah. But sound design when it comes to Resident Evil as a franchise is huge. Like, yeah. That's what makes this game. Survival horror in general is yeah. very, very dependent on quality audio design. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, Resident Evil 96 and, and onwards, uh, uh, those first games really made a huge impact because yeah. no one was doing good sound design. In the mm-hmm. 90s, you know, for games, it was always just like they, they barely just, you know, got out of the era where it was just like, like you know, 16 bit uh, music. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. I mean, if you a good example of that is if you listen to the initial kind of release soundtrack for Final Fantasy seven, it's all done in MIDI synths mm-hmm. because they literally didn't know yet <laughs> how to fully take advantage of the CD audio format. Yeah. And so all of the soundtrack is MIDI plugins and it's, uh, you know, it sounds good for the era, but it does doesn't sound great now uh you guys are aware of the uh the drama with the sound design for the og resident evil one right i am not no i didn't do as much i don't know as much about <laughs> oh. this one because i didn't play it back in the day so no please okay. i i'm i love i love the sound design of these games yeah take, go for yeah it. take it take us away <laughs> yeah here we go <laughs> so uh there was a composer air quotes who uh was deaf air quotes um oh. who made most of the music for the og resident evil one uh, the only problem is most of that music was goat written, uh, ghost written by someone else, and he just took all the credit for it and pretended to be deaf. Uh, I think it was like Whoa, a year what? ago or a year and a half ago or something. Found out that like he wasn't actually deaf, and that's why the uh, director's cut of Resident Evil One has the worst Resident Evil soundtrack in. Uh, resident evil history uh if you if you look oh, up that's the silly silly yeah one. the the clown farts <laughs> clown fart soundtrack that is what it sounds yes like. oh, yes uh, because and someone actually uh figured it out and was like oh the person who made this just put all the wrong instruments in the midi like file like they just flipped all the instruments around so it just sounds horrible and you can find it on youtube oh my gosh uh, super easily but it just it's the worst sounding thing ever and it's uh, specifically i think it's in the basement uh okay. part of oh, the, the basement music yeah. yeah 
that's really infamous it's like mm-hmm. been memed to hell yeah and like everyone's <laughs> yeah. like why is it so bad while well, the rest of the game's soundtrack yeah. is so good and it's because he didn't get the ghostwriter uh to actually help him with the uh director's cut of resident oh Evil my 1. god wow um, that sounds about right and yeah there was a, there was the whole drama of him pretending to be deaf where the ghostwriter came out crazy. and was like sometimes i'd be like hey man and he'd look at me but then pr- forget that he was supposed to be deaf and like look away and you're like wow <laughs> what that's so that's, weird that's insane yeah so fun little feigning a disability to gain the clout of a deaf composer wow. <laughs> while also getting all your songs ghostwritten oh my god wow. that's remarkable i completely forgot about all of that and this is this is why we have guests on the podcast yeah. to find <laughs> out crazy stuff like this yeah I'm uh, I'm well versed in the RE. Cool. My my favorite part of the sound design of the game was like music aside and things like that, which is obviously great, like the ambient sounds. And yeah. Just the sounds themselves of like the guns, the zombies, the the creatures and yeah. things. Everything like that. is so impactful. And it, yeah, mm-hmm. especially with the remake, like I was just like while working today, just kind of listening to a, a let's play like on YouTube just to get prepared for the episode, mm-hmm. and just like the yeah. sounds, I just felt like I was in the game, yeah. like, and that's so rare. The worst, worst, worst one is. Uh, You'll be like in a hallway, super calm, minding your own business, and you just hear, and then like, when the crimson heads are running towards you, and you're like, oh god, oh god, where is it coming from? Yep. Speaking of crimson heads, that's maybe one of the most significant additions to this remake compared to the original is the introduction of the crimson heads. Uh, That's yes, that's right. Such a defining element of this game, and it's one of the scariest things because there is honestly nothing more frightening than retreading your way through the mansion you know in some familiar territory and suddenly hearing the sound of the crimson head yep. rising and running <laughs> towards you at high speed oh man oh my god yeah and, and and it really changes the way you play the game too yeah especially because uh the first part where most of the crimson heads will appear are usually in those super tight hallways uh yep. where yep. you can't <laughs> yep. really see them coming or you can't like position yourself properly to deal with yep. them while playing with my friend anthony one time i was like haha he can't get me he can't get me and i stood up on the dresser and he just clawed me off and i was like oh all right oh wow oops thank you <laughs> something that i find really effective about the crimson heads in particular is the fact that you can only destroy so many of them if you know what you're doing mm-hmm. that there's you know it's almost a puzzle in itself it is figuring yeah. out what ratio of gasoline and fire to use to burn all the the you know you you got to choose which zombie corpses you don't want coming back as crimson yeah heads. the old <laughs> i'm never coming back to this hallway strat yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and then you <laughs> write know, it down you you have to start figuring out new ways to navigate the mansion and learning the uh the structure of the architecture and m- just making sure that you can navigate it to the best of your ability while avoiding all of the crimson heads you can yeah it makes that game so much more claustrophobic well, I mean, and terrifying yes. remake has amazing monsters um like the yes. chimera the the hunters are also horrible mm-hmm. Uh, are those the frogs yeah the the one hit okay. yes. I, I never knew what they were yeah, called yeah they're called hunters and the chimeras are the uh the weird like spider things in the basement oh okay yeah, yeah. i hate the chimeras so much yeah but yeah. i i don't like spiders so that 
runs up with my spider not like the spiders were cool yeah the web spinner and black tiger there's two of them like the giant spiders i was watching some of the boss Ugh. fights my favorite one is like the giant snake fight yeah the snake is the best for sure i was yeah, i was about to bring up yawn, yawn. And be like it's a great name. so can we talk about why there's a giant snake in this library though <laughs> it's the basilisk yeah. from harry potter like it's just there it's just chilling like it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just it's there and it just will come and get you <laughs> i love the little immediately the little mini game they have too where you can uh, either save richard or uh yeah not yeah. and uh, if you don't save him you get his shotgun and if you do save him he dies anyway and you get his shotgun <laughs> yeah it's yeah, like, yeah wow, i know cool, right? thanks. <laughs> it changes the conditions by which he dies yeah and honestly i think going out by poison is probably the easiest one because he gets it pretty <laughs> bad if you do save him that's true yes yeah yeah i mean that's i guess like the all of resident uh, all of the like remake is just um like there's things that you can change like the story but you know if you if you do small acts but at the end of the day it's it's gonna end up being the same thing just yeah a painful death or you know (laughs) a faster one yeah with the exception of the end where you fight tyrant yes that 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 does radically change that fight yes yes that is true but that's that's a really really stressful it is and i remember the first time i played that i was like glued to my seat staring with my eyes you know peeled open at the screen (laughs) and just my heart racing going oh my god oh my god oh my god i hope i don't die i've been working my way towards this fight for such a long time please don't let me die and somehow i pulled by by the skin of my teeth but wow that was a really really like stressful fun scary experience yeah these games are silly too though they're not just scary oh no they're, yeah. they're ridiculous if you try to follow the continuity it's ridiculous it and, makes and no the sense script and the voice acting we can talk about anything about these games oh, that just make them so just boy. cheesy popcorny they're campy right like they're not <laughs> yeah. meant to be i mean the the voice acting in, in remake is significantly better sure. than the voice acting in the original game but which oh boy oh boy not by much <laughs> i wish the, i wish they kept the original voice acting honestly it had its charm well some of it. the original script as well is pretty it's wonderful can of fizz <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, or of course the legendary jill sandwich line or That's or wonderful. my my personal favorite is just the delivery on what a mansion <laughs> <laughs> what a what mansion, mansion. Yeah. Now, Ryan, I'm not sure everyone listening knows the Jill sandwich line, so could you recite that for us? Oh, boy. <laughs> so there's a line in which you, in the original Resident Evil, you're es- you're escaping, and Barry kind of saves you, and he goes, you could have been a Jill sandwich. <laughs> and it's it's such a, it's the delivery, the cadence yeah. of the reading is so perfect. <laughs> it, just look up Jill sandwich, and you'll find an infinite number of memes yes. and videos of just that just clip. Just look up a compilation of all of Barry's lines from the original Resident yeah. Evil one. Bar- Barry is by and large my favorite Resident Evil character. Because yeah, Barry so saves likeable. you, and, and he has like, he's got like the biggest pistol on Earth. Yep, the biggest mass. <laughs> it's all God, no one of the the other best lines from uh from it is, is, is it's it's super effective against living things and it's hilarious because you're fighting zombies oh my God. and you're super like against- yeah it, it's super effective especially against living things i believe this is exact That's line and you're like one, thank you barry I would hope a gun that big was doing its job, you know? <laughs> Only against living things, yeah. though. The cutscenes and the characters and things like that, they're not what make the game scary. What makes this franchise horrifying is the controls, the limited ammo. You can't yeah. save very often. Like, that's what really people yeah. enjoy about and this the, game. And the save rooms offer you such solace when you're stressed. Oh, they do. They do. That calming music, just... You, put that on you know, when I go putting, to sleep. Putting on, putting on the save and being like, oh my god, I can like rest for two seconds. Yeah, I can put the <laughs> controller down. Yeah. I feel, I feel like the save rooms and the item boxes are the developers letting the players know like don't worry you're gonna be able to do this yeah. like yeah. it's 
it's a nice pat on the back from them you they know? did but like going bleeding a little bit now into resident evil 2 like they took that away from you at least in the remake the one that i played yeah. when uh mr x the big guy you know he can go into those save rooms so that's not even yeah uh, there, there's a couple he can't but for yeah. the most part it is horrifying i was to- i was totally like caught off guard when i was playing resident evil 2 because i played it for the first time this year and i was just hiding out you know saving mm-hmm. or whatever and then i turn around and he's in the room and i was like what the hell oh, like yeah, I mean, that's 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 another thing they did really good in 2 Remake is just, like, him yeah. stomping around the, the police station the whole time. You're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Just this unstoppable It force. makes the whole police station segment difficult. Yeah. yeah. I guess this is a good time to move into Resident Evil 2 then. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, Neil, you want to read out the little uh, thing for it? But, Mike, before we get into Resident Evil 2, I would like to read the back of the case for Resident Evil Remake, if that's all right with you. Yeah, let's do it. It's cool. time right, Victor, to read what's on jingle. the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Turn out the lights, lock the doors, live the nightmare. Raccoon City, a secluded mountain community, plagued by a storm of vicious attacks, is completely overrun. Mutant beasts, bloodthirsty zombies, infest the landscape. You are STARS, Tactical, Special Tactics, and Rescue Squad. Your mission, investigate the ominous mansion at the core of the horrific disaster. Uncover secrets behind a radical genetic research facility, with unspeakable horrors lurking around every corner. The ultimate test, maybe just to make it out alive. Well, did you make it out alive? That's good. Very good. I, I didn't, because I couldn't I couldn't even make it in alive. I can't control that, those games to save my life. <laughs> Hmm, that was a good game. All right, so let's move on now to Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 on the GameCube is a port of uh, the Ple- the PlayStation 1 1998 classic, Resident Evil 2. Uh, but the GameCube version was released on January 16, 2003, developed and published by Capcom. This game uh, was supposed to be a GameCube exclusive again. Uh, it's, of course, on N64, PlayStation 1. It's also on Dreamcast, Windows, Game.com, which I really want to talk about. And there was then... Oh, the Game.com. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. I love what? talking about... I don't know what that is. And then, of course, the re-release on Xbox One, PS4, and uh, PC this year, or not this year, uh, a couple years ago. The Resident Evil 2 port, unfortunately, it rates in the 5s to 8 range just because it's outdated with the graphics and the game controls. They didn't, this yes. is not a remake, this is a port. No, if you yeah, they pick, didn't really change anything. No, they didn't. And if you wanted to pick it up today, it's very hard to find. It's between 100 and $120, so it's very collectible. They had a copy of it at ANC at one point, and I was Ooh. gunning for it, but the price was just too much for a port. Yeah, no, it, I've seen pricey. it maybe once or twice when I've gone anywhere for games. Uh, it's same with Nemesis. I've rarely seen Nemesis. Those yeah. those two usually are very hard to find and very expensive. Two and three are not really worth it on the GameCube. They just they just didn't really do no. anything at all. So yeah. if, if you're okay with playing a direct port of a PS1 game, go for it. But otherwise, it's you're more you're you're more better off to just pick up the remakes that just came out. I completely out. agree. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about Game.com for a second. Yeah, I have no idea what this is. Educate me. Okay, so it's a little handheld video game console made by Tiger Electronics. It was released in the states only, I think, in 1997, and it was 70 bucks back in the day. So it was a cheap console. It is garbage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> such, okay. such unabashed garbage. So Ryan, how, what, what do you? What do you? What's your experience with Game.com? Have you? Did you own so one? <laughs> I, I actually had somebody I knew when I was a kid who had a Game.com, yes. <laughs> and I remember that being like maybe one of my first experiences with handheld gaming. Oh no! Mm. I, I was a little kid. I, I must have been about four or five years old. No wonder you like the DS so much. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. My God, the game.com is trash. Uh, it is 
super small it you know it's 70 dollars, but because it's a tiger electronics thing it feels cheap yeah like it feels yeah. immensely immensely cheap and you're you just, when you handle it 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 almost feels like you're playing with one of those old lcd tiger games like it's mm. on the same level except it has game cartridges and the graphics are like attempting to kind of do uh, a ps1 kind of thing right like they're, they're it's trying to upsell itself over the game boy by being like a console that can render quote-unquote 3d graphics <laughs> but uh the resident evil 2 port i have seen that and i mean to call it a port would be almost an insult it's to the original it's game. a 2.5d broken down version of resident evil 2 basically yeah, yeah. Uh, and it really looks like a piece of garbage but but the the game.com can connect to the internet it, which is why they called it which is why they call it game.com. I love that they had to add the .com to remind people like it's the internet. Yeah. That is early 2000s. It's 97. That's, that's re- <laughs> Maybe if the Dreamcast called itself the dreamcast.com it would have lived a little longer. <laughs> maybe, Jeez. maybe like, yeah, it could have. It, it the console itself sold less than 300,000 units and it was discontinued in the year 2000. So it was uh it was not a long-lived <laughs> console. It was going head to head with the Game Boy Color. So good luck with that. Uh, it, had, it had other games on it, such as <clears throat> Batman and Robin, Frogger, Henry, Indy 500, Resident Evil 2, Lost World, Jurassic Park, Scrabble, Sonic Jam, and Wheel of Fortune. Oh, the Sonic Jam game com. I've played that. You also <laughs> forgot Duke Nukem and Mortal Kombat 4, or uh, Trilogy. Mortal- it had a bunch of games. Oh, Mortal Kombat Trilogy, yeah. <laughs> there was even a Small Soldiers cancelled game on there, which I'm really salty about because I love wow, Small Soldiers. Wow, I'm salty about that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know about that. That would have been cool. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that's upsetting. We gotta will that one into existence after Eternal Darkness. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with the fact that they were actually developing a port of Resident Evil 2 for the Game Boy Advance. Oh yeah, I got, oh, no. got cancelled. That was going to happen. That was going to happen at one point, and there are demos out there floating around that you can boot up as ROMs. And I've played mm. around with the Resident Evil 2 Game Boy Advance port, and I gotta say, for a port of that game on a Game Boy Advance, it works remarkably well. Interesting. <laughs> there were it's That's r- a really ambitious little piece of tech. There's also a Resident Evil 1 port on Game Boy, like Game Boy Color. Oh, oh yeah, on the Game Boy. I had that yeah, as a youth. Um, it's really yeah. bad. <laughs> it's, it's it's very ambitious it reminds me of I'll the say. rainbow six port that was also on the game boy color which is yeah also great also it's highly highly compromised but very ambitious yeah. i have to commend them for their ambition i think i think the the best part takeaway from the uh re1 port for the game boy was actually the soundtrack was being uh was mostly intact um yes it's true good. yeah that, that's like the high point of the the port to basically put it in so but uh ben you said that uh you actually played resident evil 2 that was kind of one of your first forays into the genre or into the series so what are your memories i guess about re2 i've played that game probably all the way through at least on claire uh 50 times wow um, wow jeez and that's, the uh, ab scenarios probably 20 each um, wow yeah. i i had my n64 cartridge um the head kills me because I lost it in a move. But I had uh, I had tofu unlocked. I had hunk unlocked. I had all the <laughs> the super fun stuff. Um, That's a hard to find cartridge now too. I think it's pretty pricey. I didn't find the N sixty four prices. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I I lost it in a move like maybe five years ago, and I think about it like once a year at least. I'm like, <laughs> God, no. 
<laughs> you're just reminded by something on the street that's like, oh no. Yeah. It's become his white whale. Yeah, I'll, no see, I'll see like a zombie eating a person's face and I'll be like, oh, Resident <laughs> Evil 2. God, my favorite. Why did my favorite. Resident Evil 2 probably goes down though as one of, if not the best video game sequels of all time. Like for oh, a lot yeah. of, for so many people. Like it takes place two months mm-hmm. after the events of Resident Evil 1 and it just, it goes so like cleanly yeah. into just a sequel it introduces leon kennedy who's like what everyone thinks of as being he's like the cloud mm-hmm. of, of Resident yeah Evil. He's, <laughs> the, he is their cloud yeah. that's a good way of putting yeah, it that is yeah. four four made him their cloud though sure. before he was just kind of a nerdy he was very just dumb in resident evil 2 he wasn't a very smart yeah he's a he's a greenhorn he's a yeah. total green yeah i think that's my favorite part about him in remake uh 2019 where he's just like this total loser like He's this guy in the prison cell has his key card and he's like, Oh, let me out, let me out. And he's like, Oh, I have to talk to the captain. It's like, Leon, not now. Come on. <laughs> and it introduces Claire Redfield into the game, who's the brother of Chris yeah. Redfield. So Chris, it's just yeah. so cool how they just carried on the lineage with that as well. And then, of course, yeah. uh, Ben, you mentioned it with the uh, the branching stories and how everything crosses yes. over each other and meets again at the end into a into this ending the the developers they were actually inspired by uh, back to the future 2 for this game which i found super interesting yeah. yeah i heard i heard about that and i i was like oh yeah that totally makes sense i'm a big back to the future oh, fan me too. and i see the correlation immediately it's like yeah Ooh. yeah it gets a little sloppy continu- continuity wise sure we're like at that moment two, those two people would be in the exact same room and you're like you didn't mm-hmm. see okay whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those like yeah throw it away it's resident evil you can't think about it too hard <laughs> no exactly. i know but once again a super ambitious idea mm-hmm. yeah you c- gotta commend them for the ambition yeah. especially for it a ended sequel up working well yeah yeah right, right yeah i don't think it's a coincidence that resident evil gained popularity and then a couple of years later you see this massive resurgence in zombie media across all mediums film television video games of course plenty of zombie video games but i think it's directly <laughs> resi's influence oh for, for sure 100 sure. percent. yeah and, and resident evil 2 it's I found out, you know, it's the single best-selling Resident Evil game on a single platform. The PS1 version selling 5.77 million copies, which is quite a few. Wow. Which is yeah, that makes not, sense. It's not the best-selling Resident Evil game. Now it's either five or six. I think it's five sold the best. But in Resident Evil 2, you have some new enemies. Like I mentioned, uh, Mr. X, also known as Tyrant. He's my favorite enemy in all the Resident Evil games that I've played by far. Uh, he's so he's cool. so interesting mm-hmm. it's just like this terminator again inspired by the terminator oh, nemesis was inspired by terminator but i think of tyrant as being more of a terminator character he feels a lot more terminatory than nemesis who yes. ends up being kind of a mildly sympathetic figure mr x is what happens when jason from friday the 13th and the terminator have a <laughs> love child Oh, you yeah. mean Jason? You mean Jason X? The uh... oh yes, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. The best Jason movie. Yeah, the best yeah, Jason. That movie. that Jason specifically. Uber Jason is what they call him. <laughs> uh, I love in the remake. You, there's a there's a trophy if you can shoot his hat off. Because <laughs> yeah. he wears he wears like a top hat or like an Undertaker kind of yeah. hat. You know that style yeah. brim hat. I love that. I shot it off right away. So he does. He does look a little like the Undertaker. Yeah, yeah he's dressed the yeah. same way. I mean, they brought the Undertaker in for the mocap, so no way. Oh, really? Really? No, they didn't. No, I lied. Oh, oh okay. Uh, you, I see. If you if you said that, I believe you. <laughs> that would have been so cool. Yeah. Got him. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for coming on, guys. Yeah. If there's anything else uh, you have to say before we let you go, uh, that you want to kind of just share out there, here's your last words. 
Uh, I guess you could subscribe to our YouTube and listen to our podcast. We're trying to get it up on an audio platform, but it's taken a little while, and we're a little pressed for cash at the moment. But we're gonna we're gonna do that eventually. But in the meantime, find us at Game Punks on YouTube, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nouveau Art Punk and on Instagram at Nouveau Art Punk. Game Punks also has an Instagram. What about you, Ben? Uh, I'm Scratch Me Silly on uh, basically everything. I have a Twitch. It's Scratch Me Silly. Uh, my Instagram is also Scratch Me Silly, and my Twitter is also Scratch Me Silly. You can follow <laughs> me there. I also have a YouTube channel where I upload uh, the. I've started editing my streams so that they're funner to watch and less uh, long. Uh, so I'm making mostly best of videos on my YouTube channel and also other really, really dumb things. <laughs> there we go. That's what it's all about. We love really dumb oh, yeah. things here. No, you guys are doing a great job. I see all of your activity on Instagram and YouTube and things like that, and it's really great. You're, you're very consistent, and you're always responding to everything so quickly so keep up the great work and uh, hopefully we can do something like this again in, in the near future of course yeah. if you ever need me on to talk about an rpg that's my bread and butter okay. so great well, we will <laughs> and i'm here for fighting games sweet yeah perfect. there we go great okay that's good because neil and i actually don't know much about fighting games or rpgs mm-hmm. so perfect yeah <laughs> great well batten kaitos when you want to do that episode just give me a call sweet. <laughs> i love that game one of my all-time favorite rpgs you're on the list sounds good cool yeah take care guys yeah you too thank you so much for having us on it was a pleasure thanks so much bye bye okay that was awesome to have them on that was fun uh they really did have great stuff to talk about and memories because yeah i i definitely don't have the same kind of memories they do good good memory too geez like i i can't remember i have so many notes for these episodes i feel bad we had to knock them off early but like we have other guests you know on the show today and uh we oh i mean i I, i'm sure they could have talked for now yeah we have to cover like three more games after them so yeah um so before uh before we uh segue into resident evil 3 mike did you just want to go over resident evil 2 a little bit more and we'll read the back of the case as well before we uh before we continue on let's do it Let's just go over kind of the just the main topics that we might not have been able to get to. Mike, you don't have any uh, any sort of background with Resident Evil Two or Remake, right? No, no, I've not played uh, Two or Two Remake. I know this. Uh, I know the story. I know the things with Mister X and how he can find you anywhere, basically, and how you kind of finish the game and then you can have a different like uh the the b game i guess yeah, so the plot of the game let me just go over that and then we'll move on to the next set of games so resident evil 2 you play as a uh, star of the resident evil franchise now leon kennedy or claire redfield sister of chris redfield from resident evil 1 uh you must escape raccoon city after its citizens are transformed into zombies by the biological weapon the umbrella corporation uh you swap between both characters to solve puzzles and use character specific skills uh this varies from the first resident evil game which didn't have this branching path mechanic uh this is this has completely unique storylines which was new to resident evil 2 and uh mm-hmm. a very big deal at the time that was uh that was very popular for the game because you could play the game twice um yeah more than could. twice yeah uh and the development of this game began one month after resident evil 1 so they knew right away that they had a hit on their hands and they needed to capitalize on that it was developed by 50 people and it was developed in just over 21 months so a team of 50 people making a game in less than two years is just about unheard of these days oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and it's cool. Like just talking about the development of the game, it would have been really cool to be a developer for RE2 because it's really just like an expanded arena for RE1. You know, like in RE1, you start off, you know, in, in the mansion and everything, and just kind of the the mansion's grounds. But uh, but now you're in Raccoon City. You know, you got a huge area to go uh, to go through. But they still do a really good job of making it like making you feel like you're you're in corridors. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not in Raccoon City as much in two as you are in three. In two, you're more 
you start off in the big city, but then you end up in the yeah. police station. So yes, that's true. Right, yeah, yeah, Resident Evil Three is more opened up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that you do have a little bit more outdoor time and <laughs> outdoor time in this one makes it sound like a pandemic or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a great quote here too from our favorite book, A Thousand One oh, great. Games You Must Play Before You Die. Actually, four out of the five games on uh, on today's episode are in that book, so okay. just shows you how how uh, significant these games are. Mm-hmm. Except one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll find out which one. <laughs> All right, so let's hear that uh, that segment. So, Resident Evil perfected the survival horror genre with a feeling of creeping dread quite apart from the grisly reality of the undead. RE2 had a hard act to follow, but did so spectacularly. Where do you go after a localized biohazard like a mansion? A metropolis, of course. It's a bestseller that changed the series for good. Quiet scares were out. Building smashing pyrotechnics and huge globs of goo with fangs were in. Forget your brain, it'll only get eaten anyways. And lock and load. That's a, that's a, that sounds like a good back of the case. It does. I can't wait to see what the back of the case says for this one. Now, I don't think it's going to be better than that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, the, the PS1 version of this game is the one that's more highly praised. And now, the more recently done, the Resident Evil 2 remake. The GameCube version is not quite as praised. Uh, no. It's just a straight port. It came out a few years later. It came out five years after Resident Evil 1. Uh, sorry, after Resident Evil 2. So, by then, anything with PS1 controls would have been out. Um, it was also panned for being overpriced at the time, which... So overpriced it's overpriced now. <laughs> it's still overpriced. <laughs> the price never went down, yeah. And I was doing a lot of research. We'll talk about that more on Resident Evil 3, I guess. But, no, I mean, as a, like I said, with Ben and Ryan, it's the highest-selling Resident Evil game on a single platform. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a very well-known game, and I think everyone should play the remake for sure. If you yeah, have that on no, current definitely. gen platforms. But uh, anyway, that's it for Resident Evil 2 that I have. Did you want me to read the back of the case before we uh, move on to Resident Evil 0? Let's do it. All right, fantastic. Capcom presents the sequel to the ultimate survival horror series with Resident Evil 2 for the Nintendo GameCube system in Chapter 1. The the case of the disastrous T... It's one of those C's that looks like an E. The case of the disastrous T-virus outbreak, a, mu- a mutagenic toxin for biological weapon use was eventually closed, but the experiments were far from over. Now a new virus runs rampant. Control the destiny of Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield as their nightmare begins when a new disaster unleashes itself in Raccoon City. Can you survive the horror? You already asked that, and I, I said no. Yeah, I didn't survive the first time. <laughs> so let's move on to Resident Evil Zero. Resident Evil Zero was released on November 10th, 2002, developed and published by Capcom. This is a GameCube exclusive, which eventually came to Wii, Switch, PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and Windows. This game rates in the 8s, making it a pretty good game. Priced at about $25 today. Now, Resident Evil Zero, everybody buckle up, is the fifth installment in the Resident Evil series. Of course. Of course. Uh, For reference, Resident Evil 5 is the seventh installment. Uh, in the Resident Evil series. Okay. And Resident Evil Zero is, of course, a prequel to Resident Evil 1. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, and it was specifically made on GameCube, obviously, yep. as, as you just said. Mm-hmm. And it was made because of Resident Evil uh, 1 remake uh, coming out. They wanted right. to get another game on there, mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense, you know, for marketing reasons as well. And it's a cool game. I have played uh, Resident Evil Zero once before. I've not finished the game. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the coolest part, I think, is the co-op uh, aspect of yep. the game mm-hmm. and like the character switching or partner zapping, as it's often called. Uh, which and, uh, and you you've could, seen countless games now. And you could play multiplayer in this game, Mike, and get this, you didn't need the GameCube cable. 
Wow. GameCube and Game Boy Advance cable. I didn't need to buy four Game Boy Advances? You did not to play Resident wow. Evil Zero. It's quite an accomplishment. That is an accomplishment for 2002. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty, it's honestly, a, I'm not sure if you played it, Neil, but it's no. a, it's it's honestly a pretty good game. And it, it really feels like a DLC mm. more than an actual game, which it honestly was meant to be. If, if this okay. happened in 2020, it would have been the DLC for uh, Resident Evil Remake. Yeah, I mean, most of the reviews, it's generally favored amongst most Resident Evil fans. Like, it's yep. good. It's a fine game. The yep. controls were panned for being outdated. Again, we're getting into this more era of people kind of being tired of the third-person per- third controls, the camera, tank, and everything like that. The issues that I had with the game to begin with. Um, as compared to games which still use tank controls like Devil May Cry, Eternal Darkness, those games were considered better at what they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of holding back uh, Resident Evil Zero. Um, there's a divisive uh, new mechanic in the game with a menu system or an item system, sorry, which uh, for some people it eliminated their need to backtrack in the game. Yeah. Whereas for others it promoted more backtracking. So it was just this new item system that didn't work for some people and it worked for others. So, Mike, I wanted to ask you how do you feel about backtracking in video games? Because that's obviously a huge thing with uh, games like Resident Evil, also a game like Metroid, which we'll talk about um, in the coming episodes eventually. Um, Angel so, Kazooie, Donkey Kong Country, you know, right. the, the, the list goes on. Yeah, and, and for those of you that don't know, backtracking just means that you go back to an area of a video game that you've already explored to find new items that maybe you couldn't access before because you didn't have a key or a flashlight or something like that. So, this in Resident Evil, backtracking is a huge element of these games because you obviously you find new weapons. You you open up new areas of the mansion, so you have to go back to areas that you've already been. So, Mike, what do you feel about uh, backtracking video games? Do you like that, or do you prefer it to be minimal? I I mean, I think my answer is probably the answer that most people would have, where it depends on the game and depends on the mm-hmm. situation. You know, sure. mm-hmm. um, if you're if you're backtracking to a small like a small amount to complete puzzles, obviously that makes sense because that's just what you would do in real life too. But if you're constantly backtracking, you know, or if it's like a Donkey Kong Country thing where you have to, you have to be Diddy to get those um, bananas, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that that stuff is really frustrating. Yep. I think backtracking is is just a part of the video game business because it makes games longer, right. you know? So yeah. it, so it's an important part of the business. And I think an important part of the game is like, it does make sense. You know, it makes sense. And I actually like when I get to go back to, to places and see the, this, the scenario change, but obviously there's a time and place for it. And if you overdo it, then it becomes stale. Yeah, I agree. I think it definitely is a time and place thing. Like if it fits into the game, perfect. Like it is a real world thing with like, you know, you have certain things in real life that make you I got to go back access. to the grocery store. Got to go back to the grocery store now that I have my wallet, you know, yeah. like it's something now I can finally drive my car now that I have my keys, you know, something like that. So yeah. it's, and it works in a Resident Evil game, which is trying to be somewhat grounded in reality. And like, there's so many games that are linear where you don't yeah. need to ever go back to a level again once you've beaten it, if you don't want to. So yeah. I think it's great to have a, a balance of games like that. And if it yeah. doesn't work for you, there's plenty of options of games that don't have backtracking. So exactly. Yeah, uh, but uh, Resident Evil Zero, it sold uh, 1.25 million on the GameCube. So again, not great, similar to what Resident Evil 1 sold. So the Resident Evil games, the first few on the GameCube weren't selling like gangbusters, which I'm sure Capcom wasn't thrilled about. Which Especially is these... with their exclusive exactly. uh, deal that they just sold, uh, just signed with with uh, Nintendo. So mm-hmm. Yeah, but the plot in Resident Evil Zero was a pretty decent one. I mean, we said it was a, a prequel. Uh, this game covers the adventures of uh, experience. This covers uh, the adventures in the Arclay Mountains uh, by a special police force unit, uh, the STARS Bravo team. The story follows Rebecca Chambers and convicted criminal Billy Cohen uh, <laughs> as they explore an abandoned training facility for employees of a pharmaceutical company, Umbrella. 
Players switches between Billy and Rebecca to solve puzzles and use their unique abilities. Of course, Billy Cohen uh, has, if you can picture the box art, he has horrible tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> that tribal kind of tattoo thing yeah, that just all the way up his uh, right arm. And he should not be mistaken for Billy Corgan, the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins. Mm, of course. That's what everyone else is probably thinking. <laughs> Billy Corgan from Le- uh, Smashing Pumpkins is not in Resident Evil Zero. <laughs> I just have a couple things to say on RE Zero and we can move on. Sure. I like that you can actually get hit without dying immediately mm. in this game. Yeah, that's, that's nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was originally supposed to be on the N64, but Capcom believed a cartridge wouldn't load things fast enough, and they were right. Yep. <laughs> and so they they waited to release it on the GameCube uh, using the same engine as one uh, remake, obviously, because it looks identical to a Resident Evil remake. Mm. Honestly, like if you played the game, you could play the games together because, like I said before, it does feel like a DLC. And that's what they wanted people to do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the AI does kind of suck when you are not controlling them and they're kind of hanging around with you. They don't seem to know what to do half the time. So that was a, a frustrating part as well. I mean, AI on early 2000s video games was never great. So, yeah. No. Yeah. No. It can definitely, this game could do with a remake as well. I'm, I'm sure that Capcom are looking. It, it has. It's gotten one already. Oh. Or it's gotten a re, uh, remaster. Remaster. Version. Yeah. I'm thinking Sorry. more of like the two and three remake style. I'm sure Capcom are going back into their Resident Evil franchise yeah. vault to see what they can do they may do it eventually but maybe it's, yeah. it doesn't have as big of a, a history as two three or four um yeah but yeah you said the game was originally on n64 what was interesting was that when they finally did switch it over to discs it meant that the game had load times again which they weren't used to but because they were like all excited about making this game that didn't need load times and then it did that's funny which was kind of funny <laughs> also the sound design is vastly improved just the last thing i want to talk about uh we talked about with ben and ryan how the game's these games all have fantastic sound design. One thing that I love about these games is that they take real-world sounds and make them, they incorporate those into the zombie sound effects. So mm-hmm. there's the new leeches in this game. That's like a new enemy. Uh, that's the sound of hamburgers cooking on a grill. Oh, my God. That's... <laughs> yeah, like, I love that. Like that, that's, I, that's so interesting. It's very interesting. I love it when, like, horror movies or something yeah. like that, like how Chewbacca is like a walrus, a bear, and a lion play backwards, yeah. like that type of thing. Uh, and the guns were the sound of uh, airsoft guns firing off. So they yeah. used kind of real-world guns. That's really um, cool. Yeah, tons of great enemies in this game. There was, you know, leeches, zombies, of course, the Eliminator, which is kind of like a demon monkey, Plague Crawler, which is a giant cockroach, and then the, the classic spiders, scorpions, lurkers, tons of, lots of bug-like creatures in this one, I noticed. Yes. yes. All right, so uh, I guess I'll read the back of the case for Resident Evil Zero, and we'll move on to three. Let's do it. All right, cool. Let's see if we can survive this one. <laughs> <laughs> before the mansion, before the disaster, evil is born. There's a lot of writing on the back of these games. I appreciate that. (laughs) Sent in to investigate a series of grisly murders in Raccoon City, S-T-A-R-S, Bravo team scrambles into action. On the way to the scene, Bravo's helicopter crashes, although everyone survives. Mm -hmm. What they discover next is a gruesome sight. An overturned military transport truck riddled with corpses. Rookie member Rebecca Chambers is beginning to wonder what she got herself into. Bravo Team is about to discover the evil nightmare that is growing all around them. It's only the beginning. Experience the brand new Zero Chapter only on Nintendo GameCube. Cool. So we didn't survive. Uh, it didn't say, can you survive it? So yeah, I think they just... So I guess we just died. Maybe. Or they just assume, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to Resident Evil 3. Nemesis was released on the GameCube, at least, on January 16th, 2003. This is another direct port of the PS1 game, Resident Evil 3, uh, which was released on September 22nd, 1999. 
This is developed and published by Capcom. It's also on PlayStation, Dreamcast, and Windows. There's a recent remake on PS4 and Xbox One. The game rates uh, sixes to sevens on the GameCube, though. But on the PS1, it's more like a nine, so it's uh, quite a bit better on PS1. This game is a lot like Resident Evil 2 in terms of price, where it's between, it's actually around 120 bucks for this one, so it's hard to find. Very expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes place uh, before and after Resident Evil 2. Yeah, this this game, um, I it was always kind of a mythical thing in my mind. Uh, I always knew it as Resident Evil Nemesis because I know in a lot of countries that's what they released it as. Mm-hmm. And so I never realized that it was Resident Evil 3. I always just assumed that it was like a, a spinoff or something uh, until later in life when I realized that it was uh, it was the, the sequel to uh, to 2. So yeah, I've, I've never played this game. It looks, you know, it looks fun, but it doesn't look as good as the first two games. No, it's not. It's unfortunately not as well praised. It didn't sell as many as two either. Um, it's criticized for being short, and the remake is too, uh, for being rushed, Resident Evil 3 remake. Um, the GameCube version was criticized for being priced too high and outdated graphics. It was priced as a regular priced GameCube game, by the way. I had to do a bit of research into that. It wasn't like it was expensive for a GameCube game. It's just that people didn't like the fact that it was a port being charged regular price, which sounds very familiar for ports that go out, come out today on Switch. Yeah, and honestly, I I agree with mm-hmm. their them being angry at that, especially especially for a port that was on PlayStation mm-hmm. a couple years before. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. I get it for Wii U ports going to Switch. You know, not a lot of people have the Wii U. A lot of people have the Switch. Yeah. But this is a different story. A lot of people have the PlayStation, mm-hmm. but not a lot of people have the I know. GameCube. It should have been the other way around. <laughs> know. It's a different so, situation here. Yeah. So, yeah, the, their criticism is valid. Absolutely. But, I mean, if you don't want it, don't buy it. That's kind of my. Yeah. That's kind of where I yeah. stand with people complaining about prices. Like, if it's too expensive, don't buy it. But, yeah, the Resident Evil 3 on PS1 was vastly undersold compared to uh, Resident Evil 2. It sold 3.5 million units, um, down from about 5.7, I think 2 was. So, mm-hmm. um, but I was going to say, you were you were thinking that resident evil 3 was a spinoff of resident evil yeah. Yeah, it actually technically code veronica which we're going to get to next is resident evil 3 and nemesis yes. is the uh spinoff but yes. capcom wanted to keep it that the re- mainline resident evil games were on ps1 that's not confusing at all no it's not it's not at all <laughs> so a lot of fans actually consider code veronica to be resident evil 3 but uh, capcom mm-hmm. was insistent on having the mainline resident evil games stay on playstation so that's why we have Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. So okay. you might want to that consider Resident Evil 3 Nemesis and Code Veronica X to both be 3. That makes a lot of sense. No, it that doesn't. actually clears <laughs> up a lot of questions for me. <laughs> oh, because because yeah, yeah. when I was I was um, playing uh, Veronica uh, and then watching Nemesis pl- uh, playthroughs and stuff too, it, it, they felt like – like Nemesis did feel like the, the, the lesser game almost. And mm-hmm. I was very – uh, curious. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. So now I know. Yeah. So it's it's not supposed to be three, but it is. So again, it doesn't really matter. You've got 26 other Resident Evil games to play to make you happy. <laughs> so if, if you want to do that, go for it. Yeah. But Resident Evil, uh, Resident <laughs> Evil 3 follows Jill Valentine in her efforts to escape from the city infected with a biological weapon. It takes place in Raccoon City as opposed to the previous games, which were all centered around s- single buildings. So this is the game when it opens up to the, the yes. Raccoon City at large. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, after the development of Resident Evil 2, this is when Capcom split into several teams to design several Resident Evil games, including Code Veronica, RE3, and Resident Evil 4. They went into developing three games at once, but we'll get to those games a bit later. The majority of the big big guns at Capcom went to develop Resident Evil 4, which would be a GameCube exclusive until it ends up on everything. (laughs) <laughs> um, the uh, the older guys were left to uh, to develop Resident Evil 3, and it was created with a Resident Evil 1 and 2 engine. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, the Nemesis system was heavily inspired by the T-1000 from Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. That's that's the first thing I always think of. Yeah. And like you mentioned that earlier, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, you're being followed by a big bad zombie that doesn't stop throughout the entire game, pops up yep. from time to time, and is all-powerful. So, I mean, in this game, there's a few new enemies and bosses, Not nothing too... Uh, I think that was the main issue with this game, is that it didn't really do anything new. Like, it was just... Other than more... being kind of outside more in, yeah. like the, in the world, but yeah. Yeah, compared to uh, Code Veronica, I mean, it added... It brought back zombies, dogs, crows, and then you had the nemesis, which you fight. There's three forms of him, which are, are pretty cool. Obviously, the final boss fights in Resident Evil games are all great for the most part, but yeah, I don't have any experience playing Resident Evil 3 other than the demo for the remake, which was on PS4 this year. I'm reading here you have uh, uh, 8,000 copies only on GameCube for in Japan. Is that true? I think so. That's what I found wow. on a Resident Evil sales or Capcom sales website. It had a lot of Monster Hunter and things like that. That's terrible. But yeah, only about 9,000 copies sold in Japan on GameCube for Resident <laughs> Evil 3. <laughs> That's like Cubivore level. It is. Yeah. No, it's very bad for a Japanese-developed game and everything, but I mean, yeah. like you said, I mean, people played it on PS1, so I don't know what you'd really want a direct port for on GameCube, even though it was the first portable console. <laughs> Unfortunately, not great. I wouldn't recommend it personally, but... Back of the case time? Back of the case time. It's in your blood. What? A month <laughs> and a half have passed since the Mansion Lab incident, but the secrets come back to haunt you. In the next terrifying chapter in the Resident Evil series for the Nintendo GameCube system, join Jill Valentine in her attempt to escape a nightmarish city in ruins. Trapped. Helped. Help her flee from hordes of flesh-eating zombies, hideous mutants, and a relentless new nemesis. You'll soon discover that you must rely on cunning and brute force to stay alive. It's even more horrifying than you ever imagined. There you go. Good enough for me. Time for the final game. The final game on this Resident Evil spooky Halloween special episode is Resident Evil Code Veronica X was developed, sorry, released on December 3rd, 2003, developed and published by Capcom. This is a Dreamcast game, PS2, PS3, and Xbox 360 game. This game rates in the nines. It's a very good game. And uh, on GameCube, if you're looking to pick it up, it's about $160. Very yep. pricey. Very pricey. And we should we should say that it is a Dreamcast exclusive game mm -hmm. when it came out, uh, obviously, when the Dreamcast died, it went over to GameCube, as most of these games ended up doing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it could have been the Dreamcast Sports episode, but we got to play it in the Resident Evil episode, of course. obviously. We're not, we're, not, we're not idiots. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fourth game in the Resident Evil franchise, but, of course, this is not Resident Evil 4. The story takes place three months after the events of Resident Evil 2 and the concurrent destruction of Raccoon City, as seen in Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. It follows mm -hmm. Claire Redfield and her brother Chris Redfield in their efforts to survive a viral outbreak in both a remote prison island in the Southern Ocean and a research facility in Antarctica. And Mike, you have more experience with this game. You played it recently? I did, yeah. So like I was saying earlier in the episode, I played it on a virtual machine. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a good game. It looks very good. And I'm not sure if the GameCube version is a bit different uh, than the Dreamcast version. I did watch Dreamcast footage, and the Dreamcast version actually looked better. Mm, that's not too surprising. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, I was, like, really impressed when I looked at the Dreamcast footage. It looks amazing um, for 1999. Uh, it's the first, or 2000, I think, is when it came out. But, um, yeah, it's the first to feature environments rendered in real-time 3D, uh, which was uh, the main difference in terms of graphical quality. Uh, and that was because the Dreamcast was uh, so advanced technologically compared to the other systems at the time. Capcom also said that in hindsight, they should have waited and just put it on the, on the PS1. Um, 
instead of pushing Nemesis to be on the PS1. And obviously they say that because of the low sales right. that uh, Nemesis ended up having. Uh, they think that it was a game that would have benefited a lot with a larger release, which I 100% agree with. It's also the first game to have the ability to continue after dying uh, instead of uh, depending on manual save points. Oh. So that was, it kind of made it a much more user-friendly game. Makes it less scary though by doing that, no? It makes it less scary, uh, but the environments, again, were so graphically like like well done that uh i think that made up for it a little bit uh mm-hmm. instead of kind of like a very pixelated world you right. had a very you know you had honestly like what the what remake looked like you know but three years later wow. so or three years earlier okay no i mean like i've seen a little bit of gameplay from this game i haven't played it because this game carries over the the tank control mechanics that i can't i can't really <laughs> get down with unfortunately um but yeah the, i mean the reviews the game uh at the time of release this game was considered to be the best in the series and a mm-hmm. must-own on the Dreamcast, which there were a few of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, the GameCube version, though, was uh, mainly average reviews, uh, just because it was just a ported game, three-year-old version with no improvements. Yeah, they, they did a couple of, of small things on the GameCube, uh, but uh, I know when I looked this up, I was hoping it was going to be kind of like Sonic Adventure Battle, uh, you know, DX, like uh, when I saw the X there. But uh, yeah, the GameCube one didn't... Uh really uh, push any boundaries i i guess but uh, yeah it's i i gotta really really give praise to code veronica because it's a really good game and that like what you said there about it being the best in the series at the time i would agree yeah being the fourth game and and probably between this one and resident evil 2 is what most people would consider the, the best and the second best in the series up until four that's when it got really divisive and most people consider four to be the best and mm-hmm. other than the hardcore resident evil fans who think of two probably being the best I would love to play a Code Veronica game, but in controls that I can understand. <laughs> yeah. I gotta also say the pacing and the story is very good, which is you can't say for any other Resident Evil no. game. <laughs> uh, they do a really good job of kind of tying up loose ends from other games. Uh, there's some really like horrific moments when mm. you're watching it. There's this moment. There's this um, scene where you are. I forget how it happens, but you're you're watching uh, this home movie of two children torturing dragonflies. And it's this really messed up thing that, I I don't know, it stuck with me when I saw it. It, like, really makes you shiver. Uh, It it was, it's probably one of, actually, the the spookiest games, like, creepiest games of Resident Evil. You know, it doesn't really go with the jump scares as much. More psychological, like, just screwed up things. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you see kids, like, torturing stuff, or even adults, but, I mean, it's always weirder when there's kids doing stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's really weird. It's, it's honestly, like, it really is early Resident Evil at Resident Evil's peak. Like, that's, mm. that's the best way to describe this game. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would love to play this game at some point. Hopefully I can. But uh, until then, I'm just going to have to watch a YouTube Let's Play of it and try and mm-hmm. get my spooky scares from that. All in all, though, it's sold about 1.4 million worldwide. So that's not a good get, not a good, uh, not a good outing. I mean, that was mostly because it released on Dreamcast. Yeah, and then it had its second shot on GameCube and PS2. and. But that was too late at that point. Yeah, so. at that point, I think people were just excited for Resident Evil 4. Yep. And they were playing Devil May Cry. Yeah, it's tough to tough to catch lightning in a bottle twice. This game has like the repeat bosses and enemies again with zombies, dogs, ants, bats. There's uh, an enemy called a Bandersnatch, mm-hmm. like the uh, the Black Mirror episode. <laughs> uh, there's the Gulp Worm, which I appreciate that name. Yeah. And uh, yeah. then there's Alexia Ashford 1, 2, and 3, or her first, second, and third form. Yeah. Yeah. Every boss has three forms in uh, Resident Evil. Yes, as we know. It's like Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. Uh, I guess I'll read the back of this case and we'll uh, put this episode to bed. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. All right. You survived the rentless nemesis of Resident Evil 3. We did survive. We survived it. Okay, good. (laughs) We we know now. (laughs) 
we know we know what happened. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Now play the next installment of the Resident Evil series on the Nintendo GameCube. I, I like how often they announce the name of the console, like on the back right? of these. Yeah, they're very great. Good job. <laughs> this time you play as Claire Redfield from Resident Evil 2. After narrowly surviving the horrific onslaught of Raccoon City, she survived. Claire now seeks clues in search of her missing brother, Chris. To her horror, she discovers Umbrella Corporation's insidious activities are not isolated to the remote Midwestern city. Something much larger is going on. Everything you feared and more. And more. So and we, there is more. And we find out finally that we survived Resident Evil 2 and 3. So, yes, finally. Good. I've been waiting for a long time for Whew, that. So long. I do have a quote to uh, say from 1001 Games uh, we must play before... We die. It's a uh, it's a good one here. So I will end it off on that. So 1001 Video Games knows that we're not going to survive. They, they know. <laughs> they know. Okay. There's a whole lot more to be shocked by in Code Veronica. Your zombie foes are all individualized and show up in varying states of decay. Hunters return as gorillas with claws. Your ally is transformed into a mindless hulk that has to be taken down. It's all harrowing stuff. Code Veronica shows the limitations of the original RE template, but also... At its frequent best, just how powerful it can be. So that's a little quote there from a thousand one video games, and um, yeah, it's uh, that's I agree with that for sure. It's uh, kind of shows the the limits of of how far you can take the original kind of early Resident Evil games because you really couldn't after this game you really couldn't go anywhere else with it. No, I think they had done all they can do. Like this is the fourth game with doing this survival horror. Uh, limited ammo, you know, typewriter savings and, and zombies and dogs going through windows and things like that. And they had to reinvent the series, I think, after yeah. this one. Because otherwise they would have just been become like what most people don't like for Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty just being <laughs> the same game over and over again every year. Or in this case, five games in a year and a half. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and as you were reading that, I'm watching the, the Dragonfly video and this is just screwed up. Isn't it? Isn't it really screwed up? Yeah, like, I... I it... <sighs> It stuck with me, yeah. and I, so I, I gotta give them uh, give them props for for because the game doesn't honestly doesn't feel as scary at first, and then it it, it gets it gets deep. Yeah, it starts to think, oh no, it's gonna go places. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you're sitting at home enjoying life, look up Resident Evil Code Veronica X Dragonfly scene. Screwed up. <laughs> All right, well, Mike, if you had to pick between these five games we spoke mm. about today, we covered Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 0, Resident Evil 3, and Resident Evil Code Veronica X on the GameCube. Which which game would you recommend? You know, I, I would almost go to Code Veronica X because I was so taken by it, but I do have to go back to my roots here and say uh, Resident Evil Remake because it is such a cool game and it's easily playable today. You can obviously buy it on GameCube or you can buy it on everything uh, on everything yeah. else on the PS4. Uh, the PS4 version, it's Resident Evil Origins, so you actually get uh, Zero and um uh and the original it's a great value uh, that one i think it's 25 dollars too that game like new. yeah and th that cheap. makes sense you know it, it's kind of theirs it's it's what it should be mm -hmm. you know you get to play both the games but uh yeah no uh um resident evil one is is definitely my pick because it is such a uh, it's the game that started it all so yeah yep. well said i mean i i'm gonna cheat a little bit and say i would recommend resident evil 2 remake on ps4 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I had to pick a game from this list, I'd probably go with Resident Evil One. Like like you, I mean, I have that game and I tried it and I I, I get it. I understand why it's so huge and I I love everything about Resident Evil and what it's done for 
for zombies, like them or hate them, uh, for the survival horror genre as a whole, it brought us games like Dead Space and even to a point Last of Us and things like that. But just for me, someone who can't, my head just can't get around tank controls and things yeah, like that. Yeah, one day we're going to teach you. One day. I mean, I'm, I'm getting up late now, so I mean, maybe I can understand the controls too. I'm, I'm a new man, Mike. I'm a new man. <laughs> uh, but I'd have to go with Resident Evil 2 Remake because it brought a game for me that I have known since 1998 when it came out on N64 99 that my brother played and I tried to play it and I couldn't even fire the gun properly because I didn't get how to control Leon. And mm. 20 years later, picking it up again from, you know, PS4, I went to EB Games and I bought it and uh, I could play it all the way through. I played it to death for weeks. Uh, I played both versions. I played through Leon and then uh, Claire's and I was obsessed with it and I absolutely adored it. So, and I see what people are talking about now, all those, that's what, that's the experience that people had back in the day on PS1 yeah. and on N64 that I couldn't. So I finally got around to having it. So I would highly recommend uh, Resident Evil 2 being one of the best video game sequels of all time as well. That's awesome. And I also re recommend people search out a game.com at their local video game store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can find that. Good job if you can. <laughs> who knows where that those things are. There's 300,000 of them. So, But anyway, Mike. <laughs> There's somewhere. Yeah, they are. Mike, why don't you let the uh, listeners know what they can expect for episode 24 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. On episode 24, we have Scooby-Doo games to close <gasps> our two Halloween uh, uh, weeks that we got going. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, obviously, Neil's favorite franchise. Favorite. Uh, and there are three Scooby-Doo mm -hmm. games for the Nintendo GameCube. Mm -hmm. There is Scooby-Doo Night of a Hundred Frights, Scooby-Doo Mystery Mayhem, and Scooby-Doo Unmasked. And those are coming to you on uh, next week for episode 24. So look forward to some Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Oh, Scooby-Dooby-Dooby-Doo. I'm so excited. I absolutely, <laughs> like Mike said, I love Scooby-Doo. Grew up with it. All the cartoons, movies. Um, my, a friend of mine, uh, Chris, I believe, is going to be joining us on the show. Not to talk about the GameCube games. We're mostly just going to be talking about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> but uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited to finally let it all out of my system. Let it all let out. It all, <laughs> and then I'll probably still bring up Scooby-Doo later on. It's just going to keep happening. Sorry. It's going to keep happening. Can't wait. Thank you, everyone, so much for the support. Uh, we really appreciate all the feedback on uh, Instagram and uh, Apple reviews. If you want to leave us a review, it helps us out a lot. Share us with your friends, and uh, hope you all have a great week. Take care. Bye. Bye.